0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Critical QA, the show where I answer your questions based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos or have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton at gmail.com. All right, so many things I wish I could just tell you guys, um, but I just wanted to give a little bit of intro here. I did a podcast this week. It was a pretty, I mean, it's about a two hour long gab fest of me standing here talking about Scientology training. And I didn't really kind of expect this, but I did that a couple days ago, and I started this channel, and I am doing this work partly because it's cathartic for me to do so. It's healing. It's a, it's a, it's a way for me to get over and recover from the experience of Scientology, and I have come to learn that there's still stuff there, even five, you know, six years later after getting out of there, and I... Um, haven't really talked about that much recently because I thought, you know, with all the learning and things and counseling and stuff that I've done, that I had really, you know, gotten to a really good place. And I and I have in a lot of ways, don't get me wrong. But it was quite interesting the after reactions in my own life to doing that podcast and dredging a lot of that stuff up. It was quite interesting, and I have really looked at I've had a real kind of change the last couple of days looking back at some of the things that I had so normalized as a scientologist for so many years going all the way back to my childhood and teenage years specifically I'm talking about the what the podcast was about which was training in Scientology if you guys haven't seen that podcast by the way please do take some time and watch it because Last week, on last week's critical Q&A show, I answered a question, and I answered it kind of badly, not because of I, I feel like I had a problem with what I was saying, but because I thought I had communicated on my channel already all the stuff that I ended up talking about in that podcast, about all these nitty-gritty details of how Scientology training works. And in doing that, like I really saw all over again... How abusive it is, and I hadn't really, you know, I knew it was bad, but then when I'm going over all the details, pulling out check sheets and issues, and looking at how it's all done and how it's all put together, it really like, wow, this stuff is way worse than I had actually even remembered. So, um, so the podcast was an effort to handle people's problems with me over my answer last week, but then in doing it. I dredged up a whole bunch of other stuff, which was very, very good for you guys in terms of learning about the abusive experience of Scientology and why, you know, even going into a classroom in a Scientology organization and partaking in their classes and doing auditor training, even that, it sounds like, what's the big deal? You're reading books, you're listening to Hubbard blabber on, but... So what? Why is that so abusive? Well, I laid it all out, you see, in the podcast, and it is quite abusive. So um, so anyway, I uh, accomplished a couple things with the podcast in terms of clarifying myself and giving more information to you guys that you obviously want, and um, the podcast has done really well today on its first day up. And, uh, and also, I did myself more of a favor than I realized I was doing. And I guess I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, there's still a lot of room for growth and improvement and, and uh, recovery here. That was, a, a, a <laughs> in some ways, an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> but in some ways, really, really good. And I have been, by the way, now that I am not doing videos every single Thursday... Um, I've had more time to focus in on and do research on things that uh, have to, that also have to do with the Scientology stuff that's also been stirring stuff up and has also been um, really putting some good things there for some future content for you guys. So anyway, that's kind of a long, but uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of detailed intro here this week as I want to do uh, on my channel where I kind of use this beginning time of my shows to tell you what's up. Uh, and what's happening here. So that's kind of what's happening. And also, of course, here's a, here's a new shirt design I did this week. <laughs> I finally got the shirt in. So um, if you like anything that you see that I'm wearing all year this year, you're going to be able to buy it at my Spreadshirt store. So the link is below at Critical Merchandise is what it's called. And there's also a, a, a way to link to it on, in one of the corners here uh, as well. All right. All that said now, let's get on with your questions. Maureen Redfern. What would happen if Scientology, with all their buildings and members, decided all of a sudden to do only good things? Say, for instance, David Miscavige gets attacked by a pack of wild dingoes and is no longer able to manage Scientology because they ate his face off. John Travolta (laughs) reference. One of the management members steps up and takes over, turning Scientology into an actual organization that dedicates its buildings to local programs and keeping kids off the streets, Opens a food bank, opens some of the birthing to homeless, lets the children in some of these rural areas, vacation to some of the wonderful places that Scientology has property, or take some of the money that they have stored away and spend it on charitable causes or help with natural disasters in a way that is obvious and real. Maybe even let some of the Sea Org members play tennis on the tennis courts or swim in the pools, pay the Sea Org members a minimum wage, cut out the disconnection policy, What I'm trying to say is, what if Scientology decides to actually go legit? Too legit? Too legit to quit? (laughs) They have the money, they have the property, they have the people who want and need to do a good thing for society. Let's face it, everybody I've heard asked about what was the draw, then they get out of Scientology, say the reason they stayed is because they thought they were doing good for the world. Do you think that's a possibility? If Scientology goes away, it seems like such a waste. People that are involved want to help humanity. It just seems to me, and I'm just a lonely old wog, it would be a reasonable transition. Okay, well, you laid a lot of stuff out there, Maureen, and I have addressed this in the past. I've even done whole videos about it. I did an open letter to, or an open video to David Miscavige a couple years ago, and I laid out stuff like this, like, hey, man. Why don't you actually like, use the money and resources you have for some good? But let's say that David Miscavige does get his face eaten off. Uh, you know, Not something I particularly want to see happen uh, or happen to him, but, um, but let's say that happens or for some other reason, he's no longer in the picture. Um, see, here's the thing about Scientology is at its heart, Scientology is a money-making scam. That is what it is at its core. There isn't something underneath or below that. So all the religious smoke and mirrors and the services and the OT levels and the pins and badges and awards and certificates and scholarships and and big trophies and all of that is just smoke and mirrors. It's all just window dressing for the basic activity of sucking in money with a high-powered vacuum and sending it up the line to international reserves at the Church of Scientology International and sending money over to the Church of Spiritual Technology so that L. Ron Hubbard's Uh, words and writings can be uh, immortalized forever on titanium plates and on nickel-plated records and, you know, that whole thing that I've talked with Dylan Gill about and we know about from Tony Ortega's blog of the Church of Spiritual Technology. Um, That is also one of the key things that this whole structure is doing, is it's funding that project so that L. Ron Hubbard's name can be smashed into history. That's his legacy all of this is, but that specifically is what all of these Scientology services and everything are funding. Um, That CST project, David Miscavige's, you know, fancy uh, wardrobe and, you know, lifestyle, and otherwise, um, you know, they just kind of throw money here and there at various grants for different buildings or different projects that David Miscavige approves of in order to show the IRS that they are still reinvesting money into the scam. So that the IRS keeps itself at bay and it all looks very good and all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and the tax lawyers who are paid millions and millions of dollars by the Church of Scientology make sure that the dots on the I's look good and the crosses on the T's look good, okay? that's kind of the real picture of what's going on. And the Office of Special Affairs uses its influence and power to try to create more influence. It engages in influence peddling and what they call safe pointing, getting in good with, you know, civic leaders and government officials and things like that, all just to keep the wheels turning and the money coming in. Okay, that's what it really is all about we all kind of know that, but I just thought I'd summarize it here because the reason I'm stressing all of this and talking about this is all the machinery and structure of Scientology is designed to do those things. None of it is designed to do even one of the things you said in your question. So, it would be um, a round peg in a square hole, trying to get the Church of Scientology to shift direction and start doing good things where they were doing all these bad things before, Would re- would literally dismantle all of that machinery and structure because it doesn't exist to do any of those good things. It only says it exists to do those good things, but like we all know, when you look behind the curtain, you see a, you know, dirty, grubby, mean, vicious little dwarf who is running all the mach- levers and all the little, you know, on all the machines. That's the reality of the picture. So if somebody else took over, they would still have the same levers moving the same machines doing the same things. Is kind of where I'm going here, see? they would have to rebuild this thing. They would have to totally repurpose every single Scientology organization in every part of the entire structure. And that would basically involve just dismantling the whole thing. And I think that that would be the most productive use of all of the resources and and personnel involved currently with the Church of Scientology is just take it all apart. Take the money figure out, you know, paying people back (laughs) first off. I mean, great, fund projects, you know, but that money came in through highly dishonest means. Um, I mean, I can detail it all, but I think we all understand where, you know, that the Church of Scientology has lied over and over again and has exerted undue influence on its membership to get that money from them. So, you know, real justice there would be giving the money back and just emptying the coffers. And for that for people who aren't around they can't find them or they're dead now and they can't give their money back, good, that money goes into these projects, right? Where we feed the homeless or or birth them or we, you know, give kids vacations. All those wonderful things that you suggested in your in your question. They were all wonderful ideas. But in order to implement them, I think this would be the best way to go about it. Um, sell the buildings. <laughs> you know, they're they're really not of any use to anyone in their current form. I mean, how, you know, how many people need to buy a church building with all these weird little offices on the upper floors and gigantic classrooms and saunas built into the building and bookstores and little cafes? I mean, who? You know, what 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 would this turn into exactly? Right? It would have, the whole building would have to be repurposed, so you just sell it off and let somebody else deal with that and take the money and use those, m- use those monies to, um, again, dismantle everything and, you know, donate it to charities, you know, Make-A-Wish Foundation, stuff like that, um, Doctors Without Borders. I mean, there's tons of good charities out there. It's not even a point of debate, you know. There's just plenty of places where that money could go and do all kinds of good. So that's what I think, what do you think? Let's, uh, let me know in the comments. I won't be looking at all the comments, by the way. I'm still on my 30-day challenge, but I have to say, by the way, just to throw this in here, um, I'm not doing good on not looking at the comments on my YouTube channel. I have looked at quite a few of them. It's really hard for me. I mean, it's really hard to not see your feedback. I just, I value it so much. So, um, so I have been, I have been cheating on that a little bit. I'm just going to confess to that. I've been good on everything else. We're still not doing TV. We haven't been doing any social media at all. Uh, I just post my videos on social media and that's the only exposure I've had to that. So the 30 day challenge has been interesting too. So just a little uh, more info for you there. All right, Maureen, thanks for the question. Trip D. I just saw a video with you in a very fancy Sea Org uniform with lots of medals. And I gotta say, I got a good chuckle out of it. I always do when I see those uniforms. Are SL members embarrassed to wear those in public? Were you? It strikes me almost like playing dress-up. Yeah, there, yes. What you're referring to, of course, is the uh, little intro beginning that was shown on the very first video that I ever put out when I first came out in February 2014. Um, on Karen Delicarrier's Surviving Scientology channel. That's where you can see it. I'll I'll put a link to the video below. Um, And you can see me pretty much with my hair looking a lot like it does right now. Total coincidence, by the way. Uh, But you'll see me in my full Class A uniform. And and that was was video that was taken by Anonymous uh, when they were protesting at the Church of Scientology in Seattle, Washington, where I went to do some recruitment. All right, so, um, yes, we had to wear the Class A uniforms out and about in public, and sometimes it was, um, I don't know, I mean, yes, embarrassing, but at not like I was walking around red-faced doing this. I mean, it wasn't. It, it, I wasn't that embarrassed. It was more like I had a lot of attention on myself and how I looked. If people asked, I would not lie. I would say that I worked for the Church of Scientology, for the Sea Organization, you know, SEA organization. It's kind of like, you know, a, a, a sort of we model ourselves after the Navy. Uh, we have ranks and ratings. We're kind of like well, kind of, and I and the way I would just totally diffuse any sort of weirdness or weird looks is I would say, you know, like the Salvation Army. We do good work in the world at large, and we have, you know, we have an organization that is modeled after the military. So. That's why we have the ranks and the ratings and the uniforms. And people would go, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, I would have a lot of people ask me uh, when I was sitting on the bus or at public transportation of some kind or walking down the street or maybe I'd go into a restaurant. A couple times I had um, offers of getting military discounts, uh, which I did not take. Um, but I uh, would say then, I would also say, I had okay, there was a Sea Org recruiter who used this line, and I thought it was kind of cute, so I used it too, which was uh, when people asked what's with the uniform or I can't identify what branch of the service you're with, uh, we'd say um, special forces, special peacekeeping forces. (laughs) And and it was a total in-joke. I mean, it was just stupid. But uh, that was another way that I would answer that question. So, uh, you know, it was kind of silly, but uh, of course the Sea Org is kind of silly, so there you go. Lagamug. When you were still in the group, or even now, how difficult was it to tell through the way a person talked and their conduct what level of the bridge they were on? Could you pick a Class 5A auditor from a Class 3, a clear from an OT2, or was it something you could only know through bracelets or literally being told? No, you have to have them tell you, or you'd see a clear bracelet or an OT bracelet or something like that, or maybe you happen to hear or they were walking around with their certificate or something, that you, you cannot tell. There were some very, very chill, cool, common collected, you know, nowhere on the bridge, some sort of sort of Scientologists. And there were some extreme asshole OT8s that I met. I mean, you could, you know, they were just all people. And of course, that makes sense given the fact that the clear and OT statuses don't mean anything. There is nothing legit about them at all. So the only change that you see in people as they progress up the bridge is they putting themselves, you know, putting on a show for the rest of the world by demonstrating a persona or attitude that they think reflects what it's supposed to be like to be clear or OT. You are told, especially right after going clear, there's even an issue from Hubbard that you read um, that makes it, it's, I think it's called an open letter to clears, where he makes it clear that you have a responsibility to uphold certain image, you know, public image, certain PR factor to being a clear. And so don't bring disrepute upon the, the state, I think Hubbard says. Uh, well, I've met plenty of clears who did exactly that. I mean, I've met clears who cheated on their spouses, embezzled money, engaged in, you know, sexual conduct that was completely not okay, even with minors. Um, I have seen clears and OTs who uh, lives were a complete and total disastrous mess I have seen many, many of them go bankrupt, um, sell that have to sell their houses, downgrade their entire lifestyle because of all the money they spent on Scientology, uh, and then lose it through misfortune or bad bad fortune. And of course, that it means that I've seen all kinds of OTs who have demonstrated very much that they are not at all cause over life, quote unquote, in any way, shape, or form. They are just as uh, subject to the vagaries and vicissitudes of life as the rest of us. So, um, so no, I could never tell by just looking or by, their, by how they acted. Um, I will say that there were some people in Scientology uh, who I met along the line who overacted their state. And they were always real easy to spot uh, as fakes, um, and I'm talking here about a couple of OT8s that I knew who were just so giddy all the time, and hey, it's all so wonderful, and I was just like, man, uh, okay. Like, even as a Scientologist, a lower-level Scientologist at the time, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't look at them and think, oh, well, I don't want to be OT8, but I just thought, is that really who that person really is? Because that's kind of how you think of OT8s, is you're looking at the actual person now. There's no reactive mind. There's no other case. They are free of all of that. So this is what it looks like. And some people, you know, were pretty calm, cool, and collected, and and were pretty interesting people. <laughs> other people who had gotten to OT8, uh, yeah, a little out there. So and now that I know all about what Scientology does to you, I mean, I'm sitting here making a joke about it, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is these were very damaged people. So I probably shouldn't make light of it the way that I do, but, um, but that was my responses and reactions to them as a Scientologist, so I thought I'd, I'd share that with you. All right. Brave bloggers. If a Scientologist were to leave one area to get services in another area at lower costs, let's say due to money exchange rates, Do they receive any kind of talking to, retribution, pressure, or the like for that? If so, will regs or other people try and recoup or sell them more services because they may have saved money? Could this calculated monetary saving measure be viewed not only negatively, but result in any ethics actions? This is such an interesting question because when I was overseeing all of the delivery of Scientology in the Western United States, this happened this actually, this exact situation you're asking about came up a few times. And the way it came up was we found out that there were pre-clears people out in Kansas and different places around the world or around the West US um, who were going to Latin America, who were going down to Mexico to get auditing because the rates for auditing in Mexico were so much cheaper. I mean, they were significantly cheaper. You would literally save like by Buying a, buying a ticket, getting a passport, doing all that, flying to Mexico, getting, get three, four, five intensives, right, blocks of auditing, get it delivered, and then go home and stay at a hotel, pay your way, all that, that was cheaper than paying at your local organization for even two or three intensives. Like You were, you were getting significantly more auditing for significantly less money. And um, this is because the pricing scales of for auditing services are calculated according to a particular formula that Hubbard put together. And I, didn't, I never actually saw the exact formula itself, but it had something to do with the average cost of living in an area, and then you multiply that, like what would be the monthly income for an average person in this area, and then you take that and multiply it by like two and a half or something, and that's how you come up with the price of an intensive. Or, I mean, somebody else can, can comment on this who might know the exact formula or if they've seen or heard that somewhere, but that's, there is a formula to it, and it's based on local costs for standard of living. So you go to, and it's country by country, not region by region. You can't go to Georgia and get lower rates than you can in Seattle. It doesn't quite work that way. Um, All of America is pretty much on the same pay system or the same donation system. Uh, But Latin America, whole different system, right? Europe, whole different system. Australia, their own system. So Um, So comparing the exchange rates, you might really make out. And so when I first heard about this as a manager of auditing delivery in the Western United States, I was outraged. I was like, what? These people are cheating the system. This is not acceptable. And I wasn't even in it for the money. I didn't even care that much. But what I did care about were those well-done auditing hours that I was not going to have on my statistic because these people were flying to another continent to get their auditing somewhere else. And those hours that they were getting the auditing was going to count on somebody else's statistic, my opposite number for Latin America. So I wasn't down with that at all, right? I was like, hey, this is not okay. Can people do this? Well, turned out... There wasn't any policy anywhere that said they couldn't. There was no issue. There was no local issue. There was nothing. There was no issued policy. So I had to just deal with it. And fortunately, you know, it was just a few people. It wasn't like this caught on or became a thing. But it was something that, that the guys down in Mexico City were sure promoting for a while. But uh, anyway, um, it was, it, yeah, It was the whole thing was a little silly. I was very I was really pissed when that happened. Now, so that being all said now, no, those public would not get any sort of anything as far as ethics actions or justice or KRs written on them. Nothing like that. Nothing like that would happen with them because they weren't violating any policy on which to write a knowledge report. Also, um, not that that's always necessary to write a knowledge report, but, you know, in this particular case, it really was. There was nothing that they were doing wrong. Um, And uh, as far as how the regs down in Mexico City or wherever they were going would treat them or try to get them to upsell, uh, I don't know, probably, you know, if I was a reg, I would. I would have been all over those guys. Uh, so I can't imagine that they that they weren't being talked to by the salespeople down there while they were while they were there, and maybe that was even part of the pitch was well you're saving all this money so why not you know use it to get up your status in the IAS or buy these materials or whatever right um, you know that would just be straight Scientology uh, anyway so there you go Kiva go. What are your thoughts on Scientology outing names of Scientologists that write critical articles about Scientology anonymously, or with pseudonyms, as they did with Jeremy Gold's writings as Terra Cognita on Mike Rinder's blog? This happened in court documents as part of the IJC's statement of why he wasn't a member in good standing, quote-unquote, to qualify as an arbiter in the Garcia case. By the way, Jeremy is mentioned as having worked at the Santa Barbara Org, and his Scientology course completions go back to 1990. Did you work with him, and do you like his articles? Well first off, let me say that yes, I did know Jeremy back in Santa Barbara when we were both there. He was a staff member in Santa Barbara before I had been a staff member, but he was still around in the public, and he was a great guy. I, I always liked Jeremy, he was very easy going. Um, I very much liked his articles, I thought they were very insightful. So uh, anyway, that's that's what I know about that. Uh, on you know, on the general uh, thing about outing, um, I think it really depends on the context. Actually, I think it really does. I'm gonna am I'm gonna go with that because because um, I can think of instances that I'm okay with you know people having been outed, and I can think of other cases where I wasn't okay with it at all, and I didn't think it was right. Um, like, you know, when you're talking about minors, for example, I don't think anybody should be going anywhere near outing minors uh, at all, you know. Um, but, but again, context matters. What were the minors doing? Why were they trying to be anonymous, right? What's the, what's, the pseudonym, what's the purpose of the pseudonym? If you're trying to do destructive, hateful, you know, incendiary things, or you're trying to use your platform as an anonymous person, I don't mean the group anonymous, I mean, you know, under a pseudonym, uh, if you're trying to use that platform to incite violence, let's say, well, you better get outed because that's, something, that's somebody who's, you know, doing bad things. So that's why I say context-specific. All right. Barney Saunders. Among independent Scientologists, what has been the reception of documentaries and TV series that have exposed the abuses of Scientology and the Church of Scientology, such as Going Clear and Leah Remini Scientology in the Aftermath? I'm interested to know whether independent Scientologists are sometimes uncomfortable with the criticisms made of L. Ron Hubbard and Scientological beliefs, as opposed to criticisms simply made of the practices of the current Church of Scientology under the leadership of David Miscavige. Going Clear went into great detail on L.R.H.'s very questionable background, and the second season of Leah Remini's show demonstrated how some Scientological beliefs, by their very nature, lead to abusive practices. Are you aware of any examples? All I know is that two independent Scientologists did appear on Leah's show, but I remember reading on Tony Ortega's blog that Marty Rathbun, still then an independent Scientologist, was unhappy with some of the commentary in Going Clear on Hubbard. Okay, great question, Barney. It's a big topic, actually, and let me try to just kind of summarize or or give a synopsis here. I have mostly run into and discussed or talked with this about about this with independent Scientologists on Reddit. There's a Scientology uh, sub-forum there, and and there are independent Scientologists there, and I've asked them questions, argued with them a few times, but generally I kind of leave them alone. Um, I've stated my views here on my show here many times, and I'll say again, I don't agree at all or endorse in any way any part of Scientology auditing or its practices or training or any of that. Um, It's just It's just flat-out destructive lies and bullshit. I mean, it's just total fucking bullshit, okay, Uh, to be completely rude crude about it. Now, um, as far as independent Scientologists go and their attitude towards Leah or the shows, I've seen a wide range of responses, some of them quite surprising to me. Um, You know, I don't know why somebody would bother continuing to call themselves a Scientologist given how much these people change, alter Scientology in order to, you know, to go, they go through all these mental gymnastics. I'm talking about independent Scientologists now. To rationalize bits and pieces that they want to hold on to and think are valuable and important and good for them. And so they'll throw out all the ethics or they'll throw out the disconnection or they'll throw out the suppressive persons or they'll even throw out L. Ron Hubbard. I've, I've talked with independent Scientologists who are like, I don't care about L. Ron Hubbard's sexual peccadilloes and, you know, financial irregularities and all of that. I don't care. You know, maybe he was a world-class bastard, but, you know, he's my world-class bastard, right, Jeff? <laughs> or he... Um, you know, yeah, he did all these bad things, but, you know, there have been some really bad people in history who've come up with some really amazing things, right? Look at Isaac Newton. He was, you know, the inventor of calculus and, and created, uh, you know, all these wonderful things with science, but he was a total nutcase when it came to, you know, fanatical religious beliefs and stuff like that. Well, okay, uh, L. Ron Hubbard was certainly no Isaac Newton, but um but this is kind of their this is this is a couple you know I've I've heard this from a couple people so they don't even care about L. Ron Hubbard's character, and they don't think that his character has anything to do with the creation of Dianetics and Scientology. I mean, the disconnect boggle it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, L. Ron Hubbard was 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 a cat. He was a horrible, horrible person. And he didn't discover calculus, which has nothing to do with human relationships. The man preached about the ideal state of man and how you should act and what who would make a good employee and who wouldn't. Who would make a good life partner and who wouldn't? He was giving advice on this within months of having kidnapped his own daughter and held her ransom to his ex-wife or his his then wife in order to get a divorce from her and make her sign papers that he didn't do anything wrong and he was a perfectly wonderful person just so she could get her daughter back and get as far away from L. Ron Hubbard as possible. Literally within a couple months of that happening, he was given lectures about the optimum state of mankind and how, you know, and how people should get along with each other. I mean, are you kidding me? That's who L. Ron Hubbard was. So to, to take anything this guy says as having any degree of credibility without double, triple, quadruple checking it is ridiculous. But you know, here's the thing. People are going to do what they're going to do because their emotions drive them to do it. And this is something I've been learning about recently, and it's explained a great deal to me about why independent Scientologists continue to cling to their wins and gains and why it's all so wonderful for them while they, you know, completely would be, they would personally be annihilated by L. Ron Hubbard if he was still alive and knew what they were saying and doing. He would hate everything about them and try to destroy them. And they think, yeah Scientology, good stuff, so I can't even really make that mental leap there i've I've talked I've worked with that i've tried i just can't I can't really go there you know um so that's kind of my take on all of that um I'm perfectly willing to talk rationally calmly, whatever you know uh about this stuff with them. I don't have to go off on people, but it just is kind of frustrating, you know. <laughs> Okay, so um, anyway, getting back to the the substance of your question, I'm kind of going off a little bit here. Um, I like I said, I've seen a wide range of um, of of responses to Leah Remini's show, the Going Clear documentary, and my work, uh, you know, Tony's work, etc. It's you're going to find every kind of response you can imagine from full. Full-on agreement. Absolutely. They nailed it. Going clear is perfect. Leah's show is wonderful. I've heard that from independent Scientologists all the way over to Leah doesn't know what she's talking about. Mike, Rinder doesn't, Mike Rinder's a jerk. Um, you know, Lawrence Wright should go write some other book because he's, you know, I, I don't know how he ever won a Pulitzer because he's a total cad and hack. I mean, this, I've heard this too, right, from independent Scientologists. So you get, you know, a wide disparity of views. <laughs> What's the point? All right. So I hope that answers your question. And if not, Barney, just, uh, just uh, you know, ask me some more about it. Okay, everybody, that is our show for this week. Thank you very much for coming around. I hope you got something out of this week's show. Um, it's like I said, life has been pretty damn interesting for me lately. And, uh, and I, I hope that this will result in, you know, more things that will result in more content for you guys so you can also understand what I and so many other people have been through and uh, what it takes to get to recover from that. Thanks for coming around. Again, if you enjoy this show and what I'm doing here, please, please do consider following me on, supporting me on Patreon. That is how the lights stay on, the show gets done, uh, and I'm able to do the research that I need to do in order to provide you with the content I do. So please consider supporting me through Patreon. Check out the Critical Merchandise, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.